Hello everyone. Welcome back to See the Invisible, Living with an Invisible or Rare Disease. My name is Rhonda Franny Jefferson, and thank you so much for taking some time out to listen today. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. To give you an idea of what I hope to do with the podcast is I want to try to lend support and have an active voice and positive voice for those that have an invisible or rare disease, which usually are chronic illnesses as well, as well as support the caregivers and loved ones of those who have these illnesses. I know everything that's been going on, especially this past year um, to year and a half, there's been a lot of challenges that everyone has had to face. And when compounded with having an underlying condition or illness, it has been making things more difficult um, than previous times. So I just wanted to you know, show people that you're not alone. And even though everybody's individual circumstances may be different, there is some commonality that we all have and can try to support each other. What I try to do with each episode is usually I've come across articles or websites. I do a lot of reading um, about not only my particular illness, but things that are going on in healthcare themselves. Um, so, you know, I just want to relay the information I'm finding, provide an opinion sometimes. Um, but I do always just want to emphasize that I am not a medical insurance or legal expert. So whenever you do have questions in those fields, please make sure that you're reaching out um, to the appropriate person so that you get the best and most accurate answer. Also, um, this podcast is not intended to be a replacement for medical advice. Again, just please make sure that you're reaching out to the appropriate person if you have any you know, questions or concerns. So I've been covering a series of episodes on asthma. And asthma and allergies can be closely related um, because sometimes allergies can trigger asthma attacks. But what I'm looking at today more specifically is the Americans with Disabilities Act and how it addresses asthma and allergies. Now, I actually had a great conversation this morning with a representative from the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, um, and I do use their site quite frequently, not only for episodes, but just also for my own information. So it's a really great site. Um, I always link my sources in the description of my podcast, so you'll have that information there um, about what I'm covering today. But the conversation was really you know, great. It was you know, kind of eye-opening that some of the things that I'm thinking about, there are other people who are thinking about the same or similar things and items that really need to be addressed. So I will be doing an episode more on the conversation that he and I had today and you know, go over some of the things that we as a society can try to improve upon so that you know, our legacy can be leaving this world in a better place to, you know, address the needs. I'm looking at my children, my potential grandchildren, and trying to make sure that the groundwork is laid to make sure that they don't have to go through some of the challenges that we may have. 
So um, I'd been working on the ADA episode and there was a question that did come up and thankfully I did get an answer um, from the gentleman that I spoke with this morning. So once I get into that a little bit more, I'll go through what we discussed as far as that goes. But one of the misconceptions about asthma and allergies, um, there tends to be like very polar opposite. Um, you may have some people who, since they cannot see specifically any symptoms all the time, that they kind of you know push away the fact that allergies or asthma can be debilitating at times. So you have the one end or spectrum of the people who may not take asthma and allergies seriously. Then you have another end of the spectrum where some people may think if you have asthma or allergies, you're not able to get out and, you know, enjoy the outdoors to go on recreational activities. And it's really just, it's in between. It's not a illness that would always fall in one of those different stereotypes. You know, there can be ranges of the severity of the symptoms and we want to address those misconceptions that either, you know, it's not a big deal or that those who have these illnesses can't do or shouldn't do things that we want to. And that's, you know, not right for one thing, but that's what the ADA hopes to address. And personally, I find it, you know, hard that there actually has to be a regulation um, from the government to say that there cannot be discrimination against those with disabilities, so it's kind of disheartening. But at the same time, it does leave the door open for discussions and education. So as far as why or how allergies and asthma are considered disabilities under the ADA is quoting from the AAFA website. Um, it's a disability is someone who has a physical or mental impairment that seriously limits one or more major life activities or who is regarding as having such impairments. So what this means is if something diminishes any major life activity, it's considered a disability. And you know, one of the areas listed under or in the website as a major activity was breathing. And in a way you look at it and it's like, well, that's a basic function of our bodies, but that's what asthma and allergy can, you know, can prohibit that can block us from being able to breathe properly. Um, you know, some of the other activities are the ability to work in, you know, an environment that is opening, welcome, and does accommodate our needs, um, education for children, you know, not being, you know, left out of certain things, being able, and being able to do, you know, the things that they want to with their friends and, you know, classmates. I think as a child, if there's any type of, um, I guess you would say calling out of, you know, them or their illness, it can be very traumatic. Um, even as an adult, um, when I was in college, there was this class. It was, if it had a name today, it would be called adulting, but it was really a class to try to introduce us to living on our own, even though we were at college. The nurse practitioner came in to discuss getting the flu vaccine and how important it was. 
but at the time I you know, was considered allergic under the requirements of the flu vaccine. Um, there was a component in there that I couldn't have. The nurse knew this and she looked right at me and said, you know, was explaining why it's important to have a vaccine and that it not only protects the individual who has it, but also safeguards those who are not able to get the vaccine. And she looks right at me and asks me if it's okay if she tells the class that I'm allergic to the flu vaccine. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I mean, by that point, she's already asked me. Um, my roommate knew I was allergic, but you know, no one else did. And while it's not something that, you know, I'm necessarily embarrassed about, it was kind of a shock to have a medical professional, you know, call me out in the middle of a class. Um, and I've always been very lucky in that, you know, whether it's was grade school, high school, college and employment, that I've had very supportive colleagues. So, you know, I, and being in college, you know, people, even though we were young, were more mature than say elementary school or middle school. But just having that minor experience, you know, and being an adult and being able to handle things a little better, it was still kind of like, okay, I, I kind of cringed when she did that. So, you know, having children myself, I'd hate to see that they are left out of anything so one of the examples that was given is, say if there's an event and the teacher is afraid of using an epinephrine pen. And for that reason, they want to block the child from going on or participating in the activity. That is not allowed. So the, you know, if that happens, we need to address that as you know, teaching the teacher in that case, or whether it's an employer, just whoever's prohibiting us from being able to do something, that's where the ADA falls in and says that we are protected. Now, some of the places that um, that are considered public, which is covered by the ADA, is um, things such as theaters, restaurants, you know, basically public buildings. Um, the only ones that aren't covered are it's a private, um, a private dwelling, or you know, it's owned by a club that's private, something like that. Um, it's listed also as non-religious private schools um, have to have accommodation. So as um, it falls under, if there is a religious private school, it doesn't fall under the ADA. And another interesting fact is that if an organization receives money um, from federal, um, from the federal government, they have to abide by the ADA as well. And, you know, a lot of times it's more employment to a degree in that, you know, everybody wants to be able to have the same opportunities to get out there and, you know, have a career, um, be able to, you know, earn. And sometimes if there's something that's prohibiting us in a workplace, you know, we want to have it addressed. And I would say that most people are usually pretty receptive. Um, you know, they want to have an open discussion and looking at all aspects, whether it's a business making an accommodation for their customers or an employer making an accommodation for their employee, 
it comes down to the business is a business and you know if one is a store or restaurant that does not have accessibility then they know they're going to lose customers not only those who can't get into the building properly or be able to enjoy their dinner properly but word of mouth will get out so they definitely want to want to address it um, the same with the employer in those aspects but also they wouldn't want to lose a valued employee um, if something can be resolved now the only time accommodations may not be covered is if it's going to do what's called an undue hardship and what that means is you know, say if it's a small business and the way that they would need to accommodate someone would mean that they'd have to do construction or maintenance on their building that is cost prohibitive. Um, I've read of a case where um, there were a number of people that worked in a rather cramped place and because of the accommodation this person needed, there was no way to actually fit that in the area um, that they worked in and it actually created a danger to other people who were working around there. So in that case, it was a small business. That's one thing because they don't have as many financial resources, but there was also the limited space which could actually cause a danger to other employees. So that would be considered an undue hardship. Something like maybe putting up a partition or um, you know, changing the location of a desk, those types of things can be easily addressed. I know in my experiences as well, um, we sometimes had, you know, perfumes or colognes that were extremely strong and, you know, other employees, including myself, did find that difficult um, to have around. And, you know, that was addressed and, you know, people were asked not to wear perfumes and strong colognes. Um, my doctor's office even had a policy that we had to sign saying that we would not wear colognes or perfume in, to visits. So those are the resolutions that we're talking about. That really doesn't cost anything. It doesn't do anything um, harmful. It's not an undue hardship. It's something that can be easily resolved. So what I discussed um, this morning is there can be certain instances where the ADA kind of butts heads against itself. There's an internal conflict. And one of the examples that I see most often and what I think about most often is if someone has severe asthma or allergies and they're in the same location as a service dog or service animal and that can trigger allergies and hence an asthma attack in some people what happens when both are in the area at the same time and you know, unfortunately there's not a direct answer in the ADA but what it does state is the person with a service animal does take priority or precedence and you know, personally myself, I definitely understand that. Having a service animal is essential. Um, I know that some service dogs actually can detect um, seizures that are coming on. So it's a very important resource for those who need service animals 
it's really an extension of you know what they need in order to get around to public buildings and things like that so myself i would always defer um, whether it means i need to go to a different part of the building you know or something like that but in cases of traveling especially an airplane that can be you know more difficult and i will actually be doing an episode in the next couple of weeks on traveling um, while you have asthma or allergies um, because that's always been a very um, big thing for me is you know not only my allergies but addressing other people's too um, like if i'm going out and i'm taking snacks i don't take anything that has peanuts in it or any type of nut because I don't know who I'm going to be around. And even though I don't have those allergies, I know that a lot of people do and it's severe. Um, So I try to look at every aspect of it. Um, So again, the priority or precedence would take um, the service animal, but there is a difference between a service animal and emotional support animal. So some places are able to crack down a little bit more such as some airlines um, are kind of cracking down on the emotional support animals Um, you know of course the service animals would always be you know welcome onto the planes but it's you know those who you know are coming on with sometimes exotic pets as an emotional support animal and while they are very important to a lot of people um, it's you know different than the actual need for a service dog to be able to get around and you know just speaking from experience I have been in buildings at times where a dog wasn't even anywhere near me and I knew it it's, you know it's because the air filtration or the circulation of air it's shared throughout the building so that all you know circles around but that is you know, something that has the potential of being in conflict. Now, hopefully if there was a situation where that came up, um, whether it was at work or you know, say staying at a hotel, which is you know, one of the examples that, I, that we spoke about this morning, we would hope that there would be some type of accommodation they could make for us in order that we would not be negatively impacted know by that dander or having that allergy because of course we also don't want to go into an asthma attack but it would be interesting in seeing how that's addressed possibly in the future now you know if you do come across someone or a business employer who is not following the ADA you know, there are things that we can do to make sure that it's addressed. I know personally, even though I do find confrontation uncomfortable, you know, I have been able to approach and address situations with people. And again, usually very receptive because they want to make sure they're keeping their you know, employer, employment base or they're keeping their customers happy. I think part of it is making sure that everybody respects each other you know I know there's going to be some people that if we were to try to address something that's not ADA compliant that they may get upset and not be very receptive but I think that the majority are 
and you know we just approach it with respect um, a teacher that I had in high school I'm going to paraphrase here but this has always stuck with me is that if you're having a discussion and you want someone to respect your opinion the first thing that you need to do is respect theirs so make sure that you have a good open discussion um, don't become defensive make sure that you're showing the appropriate respect for their situation while you're having the discussion so I've always found that to be kind of a motto that I go by not just in these types of situations but in almost anything so when you do get to a point though if someone's not you know following the ADA and you need to file a complaint or start an investigation I will include links um, on the or in the description of the podcast in order for you to go on there and both find out more information as well as the link to start the investigation now you know as I've said in previous episodes too is even though I'm covering something specific today such as asthma and allergies a lot of the things that you know we discuss can be used in or with other illnesses so just because today I'm talking about ADA compliance with asthma and allergies it is good to know the definition and what resources we have if they're not being followed and you know if you do see something and observe something we need to make you know our voices heard um, we need to speak up and I am using the word need not you know I want but I'm using the word need specifically because you know I do want to see improvements made I want to make sure that everybody feels valued I have had things said to me that I'm just going to leave it as they were quite negative including your know, reactions to the fact that I was allergic to dogs I mean just very very hurtful things and you know three years ago probably I wouldn't have spoken up but now I am because for as many strides as we've made there are still things out there that we need to do that we need to bring awareness to certain things um, you know coming up in upcoming episodes we'll be talking about disparities in healthcare and while it's great that these are being recognized now it's time to do something about them you know during my conversation earlier today you know I was discussing you know is education the key and he responded not just education but motivation if you know 10,000 people have information but nobody acts on it it's not serving its purpose and you know I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to to discuss things to be able to even have access to the information because 50 or 60 years ago with you know having a rare illness you know I wouldn't be able to find out as much about it um, even you know with my doctors most are not familiar with the illness that I have um, I more than once have had someone say I googled your illness or yeah I looked that up on WebMD and my thought is okay great but you know it's again it's rare so it's limited to be able to find someone who 
you know, who can actually address those needs. But just because, you know, I do have access to this information and I feel, you know, lucky to be able to look things up when I need them, it's now, you know, to a point that I can see that things really aren't where they need to be. So as individuals, we can speak up, we can educate, you know, even just one voice. If it helps one person, then it's well, well worth it. And that's how I look at everything in moving forward is it takes one person to start and we can all keep moving forward and advocate for ourselves, advocate for our loved ones and advocate for our future. You know, so that again, our kids and grandkids don't have to go through all of the struggles that we may have had. And then looking at previous generations, they have had even more struggles. So, you know, it's, you know, with, with humans, it's just always an evolution on, you know, what we know, how we act on what we know and really progressing as a society. And I'm very glad for the strides that we've made. And now it's time to take that, you know, information and act on it. So, um, you know, there are resources on the AAFA page, um, also about advocacy. So I'll make sure all of those are linked there. But, you know, again, I'm using the word we need to speak up. That need is used purposely because it's not something we can just kind of sit on if we see something that is not compliant. So I hope everybody enjoyed today's episode. Um, you know, upcoming, I will be looking again, you know, at travel, um, if you have allergies and asthma about children in schools um, and asthma and some of the strides made there um, because you know, the articles I've read, it's, it's very promising that, you know, children are now able to keep life-saving devices with them in some states. Um, previously, a lot of states, um, you know, there were no requirements or it wasn't addressed. And schools, some of them would have the nurse handle, say, epinephrine pens or um, inhalers, and that could create a very, you know, big hardship on someone who's having an asthma attack or an allergy um, or allergic reaction that they need that EpiPen right then. But I'm getting a little too much on another topic. That's gonna to be a whole other episode, but um, you know, but it is something that I'm pretty passionate about and you know, trying to you know, let people know you know, first what they're doing right, you know, what's been addressed and what's been corrected and, you know, finding ways then for those things that aren't quite right, being able to adjust them and, you know, making sure that everybody has the same accessibility. And there will also be an episode on accessibility as well of healthcare in general. Um, that'll be upcoming. Um, so also I know that I've been talking about my father recently and some of his um, health problems. He is now out of the rehabilitation center. He's home and he is doing great for an 87 year old man that had to undergo two major surgeries in like a 48 hour period. 
Um, I think he's doing better than I would. And, you know, I'm 43 years younger. So, you know, he's, he's really doing good. And, um, you know, just a world of difference from this time last month. So I just kind of wanted to give an update there since I've been discussing that. And again, I hope that everybody got a little bit something out of this episode, um, even if it's just hearing that someone else is going through a similar situation. I hope to talk to everyone next week, and I hope everyone has a great rest of your week. Bye.